Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. I'm Vix. And I'm Lauren. We are your sex nerd friends. So the two of us are based down in Melbourne, and we've got this really passionate interest when it comes to communications, relationships, sex, dating, and all of the horrors and wonders that come along with that. So the two of us end up getting asked by our friends a lot about advice or ideas or what thoughts are in relation to those topics. And Vix and I decided to do it in front of as many people as possible. And so we started Wonderfully Done. So that's what we're passionate about. The topic for today, speaking of passion, is that we're going to be doing a very special interview. It's going to be Vix, and she is having a chat with our very esteemed guest, Sir James, another Melbourne local. We know him, we love him, we can't wait for you to get to know him a little bit better. So Vix, let's talk about the general Wonderfully Done ride. Yes. What is our offering? Uh, Today we have an interview for you, but our usual format is we like to tackle two to three questions uh, given to us anonymously generally from the beautiful audience that listens to Wonderfully Done. We are super passionate about creating a space that has as little room for shame in it as possible. We're really trying to actively attack our own shame head on and hope that we're helping our listeners do the same in their own lives. It is worth noting that we are not actual professionals. Uh, so take whatever we say with a grain of salt. Use that sweet critical thinking and do what you can. So Vix, we're really excited about doing this episode and doing this interview with Sir James because lots of listeners have asked us about you know, seeing sex workers or seeing professionals that work in the sex industry. So I'm personally really excited to get someone in to chat about that lived experience instead of, you know, someone who likes to share a bunch of opinions about it. Yeah, I mean, how much better can you get than actual professionals? Uh, And of course, I'm especially excited about this professional being it's a professional that I have gone to. For a very special BDSM experience. <laughs> well, I really bloody love when the two of you get together to chat, Vix. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on my bike and let the two of you take it away. <laughs> Bye Lauren, love you. <laughs> James, as you know, I'm very extremely excited to have you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Oh, Ms. Vicks, the, uh, the pleasure was all mine. I know we've talked about jumping on the show for a little bit, and I'm glad the day's finally here. It's actually pretty funny and cute how we uh, came about to deciding to do this episode. It was actually at the end of my very own session uh, with Sir James. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. I remember um, <laughs> we were talking about how you like to talk during the session, how you were enjoying yourself and giggling and very communicative. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I think we'd have a really good conversation if we could do it, you know, when, <laughs> when we weren't like giggling our way through something else, you know. So it, was, uh, <laughs> it was nice that you, you invited me on i thought a chance to to chat without necessarily you know <laughs> having to uh having to think about other things at the same time we might be able to get a bit further into it without both of us breaking down in giggles yeah you know i i do enjoy chatting to people with my pants on sometimes like oh. <laughs> you know I, i'm definitely a pro pants and pro anti pants you know 
Fabulous. So, Sir James, um, as we've already mentioned, uh, what what your beautiful profession line of work is, being a very awesome, bear-like, masculine dom, I would like to ask you, what do you wish that people knew about the kind of work that you do? You know, I think I'd like people just to know it exists and it's not something that's unusual. Like, definitely, I think having chatted to a lot of people in the past sometimes people have the strangest preconceptions about like is it legal is it you know is it amoral is it this or is it that just generally i think maybe just a better understanding of its existence because we've kind of over the last you know since <laughs> since uh, you know the advent of the the first you know phone with screens pornography's you know blown the doors off and we all kind of accept and understand that pornography is a legitimate career some people are you know rude to sex workers and don't consider it to be such but it is absolutely a legitimate career and you know sex work especially in victoria and most of australia is a legal job obviously it's still you know underrepresented and uh, you know sometimes discriminated against by banks and such but it's it's something that's there it's not something you have to stress out about that you know someone's going to catch you or this that the other you can literally perfectly legally and you know with a great authority jump online find somebody who suits your kind of you know your your ideas and your fun and your level of intensity and you know legally hire someone to come out and have a good time with you so i think that my first thing would just be kind of the reality of the situation almost more than anything else that it is there it is you know absolutely something you can do and it's not something you have to be afraid of ah beautiful no i fully agree i think like sex work is so important it's such critical work in society people have all kinds of different needs and getting those needs met in the wild can be really difficult i think especially when people are sort of like playing in the realm of kink or maybe things that are considered outside of the usual aka the usual being like front page of Pornhub sex which I'm like is that is that what should really be usual but um there really are options um that's legit at my last um birthday party we were all sitting on the couch together looking through different sex worker profiles um because a couple of us had some had some different needs that we that we wanted met (laughs) which was quite delightful but I think that's what's hard too about the proliferation of being able to find sex workers online sometimes I find it really hard to to find people locally who I know will see women or want to do the kind of kink things that I want to do and so I kind of wish everyone was a little bit more open about it so that I could find these things easier yeah well I mean if you don't mind me breaking into the politics of it a little bit for a moment it does it is extremely hard especially in Victoria because we're not legally allowed to say what we offer and what we don't offer I mean we can there are ways of getting around that and the point is always that oh, you know you you can do it if you want you can find out about it but reality is like legally we're not allowed to say you know you can be involved in this kink like people have to go to the extent of like they'll come to my profiles on the the places you can see me which is you know trist and fetish house's website and on my twitter profile and stuff like that and legally if i just put up i offer x y and z if you want a golden shower or you want spanking or you want this type of sex or you want that then you know i could face fines most of the time you're going to get angry emails you know from from people who are saying like you know you shouldn't be advertising this and i mean like in a legal sense not just you know grumpy grumpy trolls on the internet that'll be emailing you no matter what you're doing but um yeah it's uh, it's interesting that the stigma that you're discussing here actually is you know on the political level and is you know kind of part of the strange Christian dogma we still kind of have 
And so getting past that, it has been getting better. Like I must admit, since I joined the industry six years ago, you couldn't have anything but literally like a, a shoulders and face photograph straight on like, like your passport photograph as your advertisement in Victoria. Like that was like, if you were advertising yourself, that was all you were allowed to have. You couldn't like have like literally from shoulders down. So A, that's kind of, you know, discriminatory in the sense that like you're forcing people to expose themselves and that's not something that any other industry kind of has to face. You know, you might have to supply ID, but you don't tell them you're only allowed to advertise with this. So, you know, now it has gotten better, but there's still a lot of challenges with that. So I know that I'm lucky that there are people like yourself out there who are doing the good work of kind of saying that, you know, there is people you can email and you have to ask. And I think that the industry in Australia is still small enough where if you email me and you say, hey, I, I want this, and it's a genuine respectful request, I will absolutely direct you to the person who will do it if it's not me. Like if it's something that's outside of my ability, you know, if it's something extremely, you know, challenging that I don't have that specific skill for, I'll try and find you that person. And, you know, I think that there needs to be that kind of intentional cross-pollination while we still kind of face those stigmas because it's kind of breaking past those and people coming to see us and it just being a bigger and bigger industry and more legitimate. That's eventually how we're going to get down to the point where you can say, jump on Google. It's like, where's the person who will do my, you know, adult baby fetish, you know, on Google and not have to worry that it's going to be kind of like toned down by SEO or like Google, like, you know, pretending those things aren't there by shadow banning them. So I'm glad that it's better, but uh, yeah, definitely people like you and podcasts like this are doing a big bit of work for us. So I appreciate it. Oh, you're a big sweetheart. I, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, wow, I did a lot of learns in what you just had to say. Like, <laughs> I, I just had no idea that people weren't allowed to list their fucking services. Like, Oh, yeah. There's the de facto and, you know, and de jure style laws where it's like, you know, what is it of the day? What is it written explicitly? And this and that, the other. And so there are rules that work against this. Like, if you, if I tell my bank that I'm a sex worker, then they will shut my account and just, Force me, which actually happened to a good friend of mine recently. They just had to change their entire mortgage and everything because their bank found out that their their income was from sex work. And they just like, oh, we don't support that, even though it is literally a legal occupation, which you can enter into your tax file, you know, here in Victoria. And then, of course, there are more of the sort of, you know, draconian, like historical things that uh, that punish us in terms of like, you know, massive government fees of sort of $40,000 a year to run a brothel before anything else, just your, your basic... Um, fees in terms of like just to have your license it doesn't give you anything it doesn't like it doesn't offer any security it doesn't like offer any like basic insurance it's just the fee for you to be open you know and as a small service in a female industry that's a ridiculous level of fees on top of all the things you have to have on top of that which is you know of course wet spaces and sanitary conditions and very high quality cleaning products in terms of you know keeping everything as, as crystal clean as you can in any environment so it's definitely a bit of a challenge yeah when people find out about it, i think that they are are rightfully so very surprised yeah no i mean everything that you've just described it's like those sort of like underpinnings that make it so clear why the stigma and shame around sex work is so prevalent because it really sort of infecting so many different layers of how the world works and sort of saying, you know, this is bad or gross or not legitimate um, and needs to be secret. And that's the thing too. It's like when this kind of work has to be in the shadows or secret, it also provides so much less safety for the people doing the sex work which is oh, oh 
upsets me very deeply. You are absolutely correct. Because if I want to hire a like a security guard or I want to do this or I want to do that, then because that stigma is allowed to happen, you know, people can just turn you down, you know, for doing those jobs without kind of really understanding that, you know, it's still a legitimate job, you know, there's still an opportunity for profit there. So even even if you were a capitalist, you know, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot by eliminating an industry which can produce profit. Obviously, I'm kind of brushing over the, the parts of, my, I'm obviously a person who's extremely privileged. I'm a cis white hetero male who's, you know, six foot tall, comfortably can defend myself in bad situations or impose things. But it's always a, a more of a problem than these problems exacerbate themselves in a, you know, a society where, of course, women are generally, you know, underpaid and undervalued. And then you see this female in industry that is stigmatized and treated badly. It's just, it's not really a big surprise seeing it come from those histories. It's a, it's still a disappointment. Yeah, I, I do hope that people by being involved in it and being involved in it in the right ways, being a good customer, like you would be for any other industry, will help us kind of progress past that in time someday. Very much so. It's just even thinking about that just kind of makes me think about some of the discourse around like in popular media around seeing a sex worker I feel like you know the most common depictions sort of seem to be around having a stripper at a a bucks night or sad lonely person who can't get laid so they have to see a sex worker and it's just I think it's so desperately sad and limiting because it's the beauty of sex work being available is that any freaky yummy filthy little fantasy or desire that you have you could literally gift that experience to yourself with a professional who would do a good job because it's like asking uh, normie sometimes for you know things that are a little bit uh, outside of the vanilla escape you know sometimes the experience is you know it's a little bit lackluster <laughs> you're dead right on the money there can i point out a strange dichotomy almost a paradoxical thing that happens in the the modern media we see about sex work which is that you know it's either it, it kind of comes in in three forms one that's not super relevant which is the oh i feel bad for this person like they had to do sex work because everything's terrible that kind of that kind of thing exists like that's let's not be let's not beat around the bush absolutely there are people who are in poverty who need you know help and do kind of reach out to that industry because it is you know like can be a low skill labor with a good return but then obviously that's true of every industry if you're in the fruit picking industry you, you can suffer the same sort of problems but the other two points of it are you know as we see in media the uh, sex workers exist for two reasons one to titillate which is you know which is great because it is going to see a stripper it's super cool strippers you know sex workers who are you know in an industry similar to mine hardworking, amazing i love seeing the creativity and the the fun they have and the good times they bring to people and so in movies they kind of correctly like you know show it's like oh the guys went out and they had a fun time it's like yeah absolutely it's fun but then almost always like 99 times the next thing that happens is that chastised for doing it like oh you know you're hung over the next day and nobody had a good time or like the sex worker is killed like you know it's always the default it's like oh we killed a hooker it's like oh my god can you just like not do this for five minutes like there's absolutely no reason to like perpetuate violence against sex workers like you were having a good time you kind of got the 50 percent of that and like i said it's it's dead right you know you you go out and you have a good time and that's why that that stereotype exists because it's real like there are people out there who have been spending years learning to be a great exotic dancer who've been learning to how to like you know do that exact thing with their hands how to like put somebody doing boot worship and making you feel like a tiny sub it's like 
yeah, that's a skilled labor that's developed over time on a personal level. That's why you think it's cool. That's why you include it and then try and subvert it. It's like, no, it's just a thing. You know, it's like, it's like a great baker. You know, it's just, you, you go and you buy the thing. It's like, you enjoy the cake. So you go see a great sex worker and you get the thing as long as you communicate, which I think is something you wanted to talk about today, wasn't it? Like how to, how to maybe better communicate with sex workers. Cause that fear maybe causes people to act sometimes not appropriately and sometimes a bit, um, maybe communicate in a way that isn't optimal to getting what they want. I think so. Like, you know, from my own experience, my session with James was gifted to me by a very sweet, beautiful human. So, of course, like I was lucky in the way that James, this person had already had a session with James. So they had talked to me about that just knowing and it had already communicated with him so I already knew like cool like safe nice person the experience that was described was very like up my alley of what I thought would be interesting for me to experience something of that variety but of course you know getting to the point of like actually okay we're in the Twitter DMs now and what do I need to say and for even somebody that does like a a podcast about this topic you know I never claim to be an expert about anything like it's just not really my style but I was so nervous uh sending these messages because I think some of my own shame uh stuff sort of started leaking out which was just like oh no but I I don't know exactly what I want I don't know how to exactly explain it I don't want them to think that I'm like an unexperienced loser and I just feel like some of these different things at the different points and like wanting to even um take the next step with seeing a sex worker yeah, you can really sort of like talk yourself out of it, I think. So I really would love to hear you talk a little bit about how to approach a sex worker well and sort of best communicate so that you can get what you want out of the experience as well as treating the sex worker like the awesome professional that deserves lots of respect. I like to think that it's not very hard, but I, I will kind of go over a couple of things I think can help people out, which is number one, remember that until you've started the session, you are negotiating. Like people will discuss things fun and happily and, you know, and most people, as long as they've been respected and haven't been treated badly in the past, are going to engage with you as a human being. They're not just seeing you as numbers. You know, a lot of sex workers I know, myself included, generally will turn down a session if I get the impression that the person is genuinely angry or upset or is you know, just not having a good time. So just treat them as human beings as you would for anything. If you're going to walk into, using the analogy again, into a cake store, you wouldn't just say, oh, you know, just start eating a cake before you start. It's like, no, you're going to pay. You're going to talk about what you want. You book the thing. So when you email, when you discuss, you make it very clear. This is a booking. Are you available at this time? You know, make sure that you're saying, would you like a deposit? All those things that indicate that you respect them as a professional and as a person and as you would for any business individual. Obviously, there are people out there who who think that it's perfectly all right to be rude to people who they're buying a service off because they think that somehow buying a service is the same thing as, you know, buying the person, which is not correct in any situation. But yeah, like for me, when I see an email from someone that says, hello, Sir James, are you free on this day? Do you offer these kind of services? Could you give me a quote? I'm happy to pay a deposit. That sort of thing. It just kind of indicates to me that we're getting off on the right foot. And I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable and ready to maybe go the extra mile and like talk about things. And also, if I'm not the right person, like I said before, direct you on to the next person who might be more appropriate for you. As somebody who's been in the industry for six years, I know a fair number of people and I know most of the things that they like to offer 
you know, which will change at times, but at least I can kind of get you in the right direction. So once again, be polite, indicate that you're ready to purchase. Don't kind of say, oh, I was thinking about booking in six months time. So, you know, would you be free on a Tuesday on the 23rd of January in 2023 or whatever? It's like, no, you're, you're, you're looking to come in and, and do something and have a good time. And like, and also be open to things because I think one of the things that people make a mistake about is that I think because people have had sex or at least touched themselves a lot of the time when they've come in, they think that they know exactly what they want. And I think that that's a, a bit of a mistake sometimes because you say, you know, like just because you understand chocolate doesn't mean you want an entire cake made out of dairy milk chocolate. It doesn't make sense. You have to talk to somebody who has the skills, who wants to engage with you on that thing. And, you know, you should always put your ideas forward about what you think it should be and what you want it to look like. But if you just say, you must wear exactly this and do this for exactly this many minutes, you know, if you're if you're absolutely willing to pay the money and you don't care too much about whether the person's having a good time or whether they're engaged or involved, then okay, yeah, that's, that's something that people can help you with. But if you want someone who is going to, you know, not just run through the motions and do the thing, you need to kind of engage a little bit. And I must admit, I'm coming from a, a BDSM side of things, which is quite different to people who work in a regular brothel or just do, you know, like PIV services, like you mentioned, who necessarily need these things. But there's there's a commonality there, which is that, you know, if you just tell them, it's like, I wish to like fuck your vagina for an hour and a half. It's like, okay, that's kind of a bit, you know, that's, that's an idea, but why don't we like let her or him or they make some suggestions about what the session might include that you might enjoy on top of that rather than just running yourself raw or doing something that you think you want until you don't want to do it anymore. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be my biggest suggestions. Treat them as a professional, treat them kindly, be open to suggestions and then yeah, have a, have a discussion keep it relatively on track. You know, remember that you haven't started the session yet. And if you want to, you know, develop a ongoing professional relationship with someone, you need to treat them with a certain level of respect. That's beautiful. Now, ah, you know, when someone's talking and you've just like, right, I've got to remember this thing and this thing and this <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I must admit, I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a chin. Uh, my, my math goes a million miles a minute. So if you ever want to like revisit something I said and you've written it down, I'm happy to go into it in more detail because uh, I know I try to cover a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same level. That way, we, you know, I won't feel bad. No, oh my goodness. I don't want you to feel bad at all. I mean, of course, you know, you're welcome to feel however, however you would like or slash. I mean, feelings aren't exactly a choice. Yeah. All right. I had several thoughts during that. Um, I loved the idea of thinking about seeing a sex worker as like, yes, I know this about, about chocolate cakes and I think I want this chocolate cake. But the cool thing about seeing a professional is they know a lot of recipes that you might not have experienced before. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> oh my God. You've taken the analogy and make it way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> now we're a team. We're working together here. And that's the thing. Exactly. Seeing, seeing a professional sex worker, BDSM professional, like you're both in there together. And I think uh, BDSM and sex, to be honest, they're uh, best done when both parties are coming with creativity and curiosity and being open to what could happen. Like, I feel like things work really well when there's possibilities, you know? I do understand, of course, that, you know, we all want different things. Some people, you know, may want just an hour of impact play and, like, nothing else. (laughs) Like, really needed to, like, spread it out over the bod to, like... be able to do that safely <laughs> yeah it's um sort of a on a bit of a tangent you're you're definitely right that idea that uh, 
you know, I want this and I want that amount of time is kind of, it's sometimes it's a bit challenging because as somebody, you know, I am obviously a professional. I take money for a job that I think I do you know, very well. I was going to say relatively well, but I've been doing it for six years and I've got a lot of very happy customers. Yeah, I want to hear that, that confidence, James. Like you yeah, offer I, a well, fucking good service. Yeah, I, I, I am a very good sex worker. It's sometimes it's challenging because you you know that it is a paid service and you are always very conscious or I'm always very conscious of how much it costs. And if somebody says, oh, I want this and this and this and this and this and this and this and, you know, that for this long and it's like, and then I have half an hour and you're just like, I know that you've got your dreams in your head and, and they're coming to you with all the things I said. They're coming with respect and they're coming with patience and they're ready to pay deposit, but they they kind of have this idea that it's like they want all these things and you're like, you know, we've really got to like pick three of those things and maybe triple the time or we need to cut it down to sort of one one good thing. But because um, impact play for an hour, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Some people don't, don't get me wrong. Some people, 100%. Just impact for an hour would be an absolute dream for them. But if you are coming in and you've literally never been spanked before and you're just like, yeah, I just want an hour of hard caning with no warm up. And they're like, uh, buddy, I, I respect you as a human being, but I am going to have to stop you there. And just like, we're going to have to talk about this for a minute. And, you know, and so don't think that we're just that sex workers are just sitting there going like, oh, what's what's the thing to get me the most money with the least amount of effort? It's like, no, we're, we're just genuinely we know that you're not going to have a good time. And if you have a bad time. Let me let me make this very clear. Like if you paid me money and you had a bad time and it doesn't happen very often, but occasionally it happens, and, you know, six years of, of, you know, multiple sessions a week. It's like there's definitely been one or two where of their own volition or just something not working or breakdown of communication. Somebody might have a bad time. You are not going to feel as bad as I do because I will feel horrible. Like because I just want you to have a great time. And, you know, like seeing somebody leave happy whether they had exactly the thing they thought that they wanted before they emailed me or whether they got something that made them happier, it doesn't make too much of a difference. Like as long as you kind of got the thing that, that actually fulfilled the sensation. Because remember, effectively, when you're buying anything, you're only buying two kinds of things. You're buying something that you need to live or you're buying something that's going to make you happy. If you buy a gym membership, that's going to make you happier and you know help you live to a lesser extent because you're going to be fitter you're going to be more capable you're going to have fun in the gym you're going to make friends you know but it's it's buying happiness you could exist without it you know if you're buying a tv you're buying happiness because you're buying you know time together watching films with friends on your new big screen or if you buy you know something obviously if you buy food that's literally just assistance living then you know that's survival but if you're buying sex worker then you're buying happiness so you're buying a sensation i mean obviously that's i'm using happiness as a general term here if you're buying it to be humiliated you know you're buying a cuckolding session for your wife and you want to feel bad in a kind of way that's titillating that's also perfectly valid i'm just using happiness here as kind of a generic term for getting what you want yeah that's um yeah the idea of, of going to somebody who's got skills got recipes has an understanding has seen you know hundreds of hours because that's kind of part of the hot bit about it isn't it? it's like that's kind of the thing that we see in porn is like oh you know the milf or the cougar or the more experienced man it's just like you know that they're, they're like oh he knows stuff like you know he's he's got skills or she's got skills or they've got skills you know like oh you you know, like what, what are they, they, what could they show me? And like people then are like, yeah, I want that. And then they try to tell you exactly what to do. And it's like, wait, hang on. You've kind of missed a step here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like, let me be a professional and enjoy that. And I think it's like with, with any profession, like sometimes it's really difficult to set expectations, especially around something like kink or sex, where people have all that everyday experience. Um, and so have a lot of, yeah, preconceived notions of what something 
should be so I think it's kind of helpful when you're thinking about exploring an experience like this to maybe like put aside the shoulds and maybe think more like what could happen because sort of like in my session with James you know I I hadn't seen um, a professional dom before Uh, so I I wasn't quite sure what I wanted and it was interesting to have our like Twitter communications about it versus our in-person communications because it was sort of like we hit a moment where he was like ah like so you're just open to seeing how different things feel and it's like yeah like I just I just want to do some taste testers which is totally something you can do right so he was like man should have got out the vac bed (laughs) wish I'd known this soon (laughs) but it's the thing too is is like not thinking about it just as something even maybe that will be a singular session right it's kind of like um having kink and sex experiences with any other like fucking human being it's kind of like sometimes establishing a connection in that first session before then you move into exploring other things so it's kind of like maybe if you're going in there with like a little bit less pressure that like I have to experience everything that I want to experience in this session because this is the only you know session I'm ever going to have it's sort of like whoa (laughs) just kind of like wheel it back a little bit (laughs) a little bit less pressure on you and less pressure on the professional and yeah kind of be open to exploring together and connecting you're hitting the nail right on the head there because it's just such a it's such a problem when people come in and they're just like oh you know it has to be exactly this and I just love it sometimes when people are like, it's my first time. I kind of, I like the look of this and I like the look of that. And then you're just like, okay. And we're just like, I'm like, I'm going to try like, you know, cause you've got to get consent beforehand. So you're just like, I'm going to show you these tools and we're going to use these tools over an hour and a half. And I'm just going to kind of see how you respond to that. And like you, and then you have a good time. And then there's the after session chat where you're just like, you know, did you enjoy this? Did you enjoy that? And like, it goes beyond just like, did I enjoy this or did I enjoy that? Sometimes like I enjoyed that but it's not what I'm here for. Like I, and I realize that because I've had the session, it's like, you know, some people it's like they come easily from the vibrator or they come easily from fingering or they, you know, they really enjoyed the spanking, but, but they're like, oh, I'm not here to do that. I can do that at home. What I'm here for is the humiliation. And I realize that now because I've, I've kind of got past that. And that's a lot about sex because you remember when you were, you know, younger probably, or you know, when we were all, I don't know when you, your first sexual experience was, but remember when you fir- had your first sexual experience and you're just like, I just have to have the sex, you know, it's going to be this. Like for a lot of boys, it's like just do the sex. And then for some people that never really goes beyond that, but for a lot of people are like, oh wait, I, now I've done the thing and the burning pressure is off. I realize that maybe there's some kinks and some interesting things and some stuff to do rather necessarily just thinking of it as just like, you know, I will have one sex, please. <laughs> and so, you know, going in for like, I will have one BDSM session, please. And it's just like, you're one, one serve and like never again. Like you go back, oh, why did I try it with hot cream? Or why did I try it with ice cream? You know? Mm, oh my God. So many delicious variations. <laughs> oh man, this makes me think of something that I like that I've actually been doing this week. Ooh, do tell. Is, <laughs> I've been redoing a sex menu, which is something that I originally got linked to by my uh, sex therapist. <laughs> and um, <laughs> basically, it really breaks down in like three different levels of spice, you know, like all kinds of different touches or feelings, kind of like, yeah, uh, splitting over uh, kink sex BDSM um so you know like level one is it it really does like break down to like you know like closed mouth kissing kissing on the cheek holding hands frottage you know but then it like moves into like you know manacles um (laughs) 
chains. Um, yeah, uh, different kinds of impact play. Um, water sports wasn't on there. And I'm like, what kind of list is this? But anyway, <laughs> I think it, it's like really, it, it also has like three columns and you can like rate how interested out of zero to five you are in that action, whether you've done it before, whether it's for you giving, receiving or both. And then you can actually write some notes as well. So it's actually like a really beautiful way. I will link this in the show notes because I think it's wonderful and I highly recommend doing it. Um, but it's a really nice way to check in with yourself, like what you think is interesting and then maybe go back through and highlight some of that. And it's kind of like, well, I'm so interested in this thing, but this isn't part of my sex life right now. So how could I make it part of what I'm doing? Because <laughs> I, I actually came back to this because um, all the submissive boys just want to want to come to my yard and I <laughs> don't know what it is about me. <laughs> you don't, it's not milkshake, it's something else. There's some... I think we talked about this, Jays, where you're like, but you're so giggly and bratty. Like, what? <laughs> apparently i i don't know i'm putting out some other vibes so it's yeah i set set this as homework for him this week so that we could get on a, a good page and uh get that those inspiration juices pumping you know <laughs> I, 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 I love it because it's just like it feels like a lot of people who get into fetish in maybe later not later life but like a decent amount of time after they've got into you know they've had that first sexual experience and they're just like, uh, yeah, uh, I want to do all of the BDSMs. And you're just like, what, what, what does that mean? You want to do all of the BDSMs? Like, yeah, just everything, just all of it. Just it's all, I'm good with everything. I don't have any like limits. Uh, it's all good. And you're just like, no. James, <laughs> like, biggest uh, warning signal ever. I have no limits. I'll yeah. do anything. All that oh, yeah. says to me is I don't know what I want and I'm not very good at communicating my boundaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's definitely a case where if you're if you're like myself, you're a good faith actor and you're just like, okay, I'm going to like set you a job of like, just, you know, and I will often ask this of people, like, what do you like watching? Like, what do you like thinking about? What do you like reading? Because sometimes, you know, people will let their kind of, you know, like, and that's not, and let's make this perfectly clear. Everything you see in pornography and everything you read in literatica and things like that doesn't mean that it's all valid and it doesn't mean that you have to do what those things you see. That's not what I'm like imparting. I'm just saying it's a small tool to use is sometimes you can figure out what people are into by kind of accessing what their history is and understanding what, you know, history of, of viewing and reading so that you can start to make some connections. Because if you are trying to help someone who is a legitimate client or, you know, somebody who wants to be a lover, because you need to start narrowing it down. Like you, you definitely can't play with somebody who's just like, I have no limits because they have limits and they're just not telling you. And then when you go over it, they'll blame you. And of course you are someone to blame because if you didn't actually find out, then you were concerned about that person's like actual limits and you need to be a bit careful. But yes, massive red flag, deep concern, you know, take care of people like that. They're, they're generally, you know, nine times out of 10 new to BDSM and they might need a bit of a hand from someone like you if you know that's a red flag giving them some cues about how to start thinking about what they actually want instead of just letting them go off to somebody who's a bad faith actor who is going to take advantage of them. Take care of um, BDSM babies out there whether they're doms or whether they're subs or whether they're neither you know. Yeah, totally. Like, and that's, I think what we're like sexy homework is like a really beautiful tool there, you know, like another sexy homework could be, I want you to send me two videos that really turn you on in this area that we've been talking about. You oh know? my God. I literally do that. That is literally something I do. I'm like, 
the next time you you are like having a good time, you're thinking about me, send me what you're watching. Because like, hey, I think it like builds a level of, you know, and this is for obviously for either my personal partners or for, you know, people who are long-term clients or who are more, you know, need a bit of help. But like, yes, absolutely. Like I, I love it because it, it helps me build up a bit of a connection and it feels great. I just love it. Yeah, and I yeah, and it the the soft touch in between because I think that's what people forget as well as it's like sex kink BDSM experiences aren't just they aren't just the the scene or the moment or the session that you're doing all the stuff around it and all those different little pieces really add up to being part of the experience <laughs> like because that's so nice of like I'm already having a nice time by myself but now I'm extending it to share it with you and share a bit of a fantasy around that together and then maybe have that inform like a future encounter that we have. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) I love how you said it's all the things around it because I think that that is, that's really a good point and something I often think about, which is that, you know, like if you're, if you're a great model, if you're a great fetish model, and I know some, I know some absolutely just they know all the tricks. They just know how to get every last inch out of a piece of latex, how to like light it correctly, which is totally different from normal and just how to like pose and just, and I'm just always in awe because if somebody takes a good photo of me, I save it really quickly because I am terrible when it comes to like standing around because I'm, I'm a person who's into action and I'm not saying models aren't into action, but I'm just saying for me, it's about function. It's about doing the thing like I I get into sessions the most when they're sort of like you know we're we're achieving something together like it's your bum in my hand and we're going to make it purple that's like you and I we're going to work together I'm going to help you with your breathing and you're going to help me by being a good bum and we're going to do these things and you know or we're going to like you're going to be the best cocksucker that you know of all your friends you're going to like show off in front of the mistresses we're going to have a great time you know or you're going to learn to like take you know my hand inside your pussy or you're going to like I'm going to teach you how to take it up the ass, whatever it is. Like we're doing something together, but it, it's all the things around it. It's like it's the time it takes to, to work somebody up to, you know, to anal sex if they haven't done it before, if they're relatively tight or they need relaxation or, we're, or it's the things we're doing which are like helping you get over the fear of being around someone because we're going to be like, okay, well, I know that you, you want to be watched. I'm going to leave the door open a crack and you don't know if somebody's out there watching you suck my dick or not or like all the really tiny things. And it's like... There's such a big difference between somebody who can take, you know, be good in a in a still photo and somebody who knows all the actions around that thing. And like I said, bring it back to the cake analogy before, it's like, you can be the best baker in the world, but if you have poor communication, you bake the wrong cake that the person doesn't want, they explicitly said they didn't want, you know, if you deliver it to them late or you like don't put it in a box and you just drive to the house and, you know, tips over in the car, there's a million things that go into making the session great that go beyond just doing the exact thing and if people don't have those high level skills it's perfectly fine it's like it's an industry where you will develop that and they still deserve respect and it's they maybe have other skills but don't just assume that because somebody is a a sex worker it's like oh you you only know the sex shut up sex person and just do the sex thing it's like no no no. it's like you know i'm, I'm here for the whole thing like i'm i'm gonna get involved in the talk we're gonna like have fun and like there's just oh my god like the Somebody said to me the other day, it's like, oh, you made all that money on that Saturday and you only had to do this many hours of work. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> because Whoa. like, oh my God, how many hours did I put into like communicating with that person? Yeah, the admin. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. People do not respect or think about how much admin goes into all kinds of different, like more freelance or self-driven careers. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like keeping every one of my tools 
polished, clean, like disinfected, like spending the time at the gym so that I know that I'm as healthy as I can be, like the time communicating with that person, like, you know, organizing things. And like that, I will be always, when I'm doing a session, unless something's gone drastically wrong, I will always be there an hour beforehand because I want to know that every one of my tools is working. I want to know that all the condoms are the right size. I want to know that the towels that I want to put under your head when you're in that slightly awkward position are in the right place so I can grab them with one hand. You know, sometimes I'll freeform things if it's, you know, if it's a little bit more like we're very relaxed with each other and I don't know exactly what we're going to do today. But, you know, the bare minimum I give myself before any session is an hour. Like I, and I limit myself to a certain number of sessions a week because I just know that when I get to a certain point, and I must, I will be honest with myself, I have I've had a lot of really intense sessions this week. So I'm actually like going to take a couple of days off soon just so that I can recharge because it's a lot of work and I really put a lot of heart and soul into it. I know a lot yeah. of people do, you know. And it's, you're, it, you're your tool, you know. It's like very important to, <laughs> I, I to look after you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know. And and from more than just the perspective that it's my body, it's also no, my, it's your my mind. heart and my enthusiasm, yeah. you know. Oh, you're such a beautiful person, James. Oh, thank you, Ms. Vicks. That's lovely. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my lovely goodness. As well. <laughs> oh, you stop it. <laughs> yeah, already <laughs> like all these recipes. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> so many things to uh, consider. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm, serious, fun question. But I would love to hear you talk a little bit about like what some of your favorite parts of your work are. Oh, my favorite parts of my work. I think it's got to be. I think it's being able to pick and choose who I work with and generally like the long-term seeing people change or just being able to experience things that they really thought that they never would. And then seeing that that kind of opens up, like I definitely see, and you know, I, I, I know it's a little bit sad to talk about, but I'll talk about it anyway. You see people who've, who are homosexual, who are like 20 years older than me, who are still stuck in relationships that started in, you know, the late seventies and they just you know there's no escape for them there's no easy way to kind of disentangle themselves from that and then but you know having this realization it's like no i'm i am a homosexual i'm i am gay i you know i'm i'm really attracted to men you know and them coming in and like having led hidden lives and being able to experience new things or for sort of like you know people who are women who are out of marriages and who are saying hey you know i i my partner just totally neglected me we just were it's nobody's fault but i've just haven't felt anyone's touch for years and seeing them go through these massive sexual revolutions just feel real change in them and see it over time you know that they come in every week but you know if you see them you know every couple of months and they're just like every time they're like oh i met this man and he's great i'm gonna bring him in can you teach him some stuff and like we're gonna have this really respectful environment where he gets to learn some things and i'm not gonna treat him like he's some sort of sub or cuck or something like no he's he's gonna be taking over you know doing what i was doing and that person's gonna be having such a great time and seeing that oh it's and so it, beautiful i know it's lovely isn't it I remember the, literally, I think I, I remember the day I kind of realized the job wasn't what I thought it was in the best way possible, which was in my first year, a guy came in and I think he was like 75, maybe. Yeah, probably about 75. And he wanted his whole life just to be like a leather subby boy. And he just kind of like, he'd just been living a lie his whole life. He'd been married in a, in a kind of like, you know, fake hetero marriage and, and it was just a total coming out for him. And I learned that later on that he'd actually passed away not 
too long after that. And it's just like, imagine being so privileged to like be able to help somebody with literally their first ever, like, and because I'm, you know, I identify as hetero. I mean, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe close to queer, but it doesn't really matter. I, I just like seeing people have a good time. And, you know, we just kind of played a bit together. I dressed him up all in leather and he, you know, made him kneel down on the floor and like, do all this sort of stuff and like hearing that you know he was just so happy when he left because it's just like he didn't know where he was going to get this from and you know obviously a lot of things can be terrifying you know if you're going on tumblr as a 75 year old man probably not tumblr grinder sorry <laughs> i mean also going on tumblr that's also a, used to be a cool place um but yeah just what an absolute privilege to to help somebody with that experience and then to just absolutely confirm it because in 100 percent secrecy i never knew what his you know his name was you know, what his real name was, just really nice. And that's, you know, that's probably the best part about it. The other part is that it's just, it's great that I get to kind of pick and choose now. Once again, like I said, as a privileged person who's kind of got a, my job kind of working for me, I've been there for six years and it's kind of working where I want. So now when I see someone, I'm really kind of making the choice that I'm like, you are the kind of person that I think that I, I want to engage you know, in these sexual way with and have fun and like have a good time and be creative and kind of express myself and like, do these fun things and it's just it's such a such a nice feeling knowing that you're going to be able to just have fun because i was really kind of like in my first maybe year or two of it locked up in a lot of like rigid ideas like i said until i had kind of that moment of realization that it's more about like opening people's eyes and having a good time i was really locked in these rigid toxic masculine ideas of like oh, i have to be the perfect masculine dom and everything has to be that and i can't laugh and and now everyone kind of knows me as that like guy who like giggles while he's like doing cock and bull torture to people like you know <laughs> i have more of a more of my my fun side comes out and like i can still be terrifying but you know i'll, I'll be having fun while i'm doing it i'm not putting on you know as much of a as much of a show because a lot more of my my real personality gets to come out and that's really nice how dare you make me cry during this episode? Aww, like, I'm just ahead. trying to live my life. Like, just trying to have a fun time. Like, I think this is why I was so excited to have you on the show because like, I don't want that for anyone out there listening, other people who aren't listening but should be, that not being able to experience those sexual or kinky parts of yourself that have sat knocking around in your brain that you haven't known what to do with. Like sometimes maybe it's like you'll do something and actually the fantasy was better. You know, you just actually wanted to live in your brain and the sort of maybe like physical or sensations or being in the space, you know, weren't what you actually wanted. But I feel like it's probably so much more common that it's like finding a piece of yourself, right? Like, and yeah, like confirming like, yeah, this is part of like how I feel really fucking good in the world like and something to look forward to and to to have threaded through my life so james i am very curious i think you've mentioned a couple of bits and bobs about this through our conversation but i would love to hear about what sort of things you think that you've learned about yourself through the work that you do that's an interesting question. I think probably the biggest thing I learned about myself is that I've always kind of thought that sex was, you know, not necessarily just penis and vagina. And like, you know, A, not only is that a weird sex hetero, you know, like ideal, which I've, I've never really believed, but in the sense of like, 
coming to it as somebody who just enjoyed sex like when i joined up i was lifting weights at a gym and some people were like we'd become friends and like i'm a professional dominatrix and they're like you should totally come work with us and i'm like oh okay it sounds good and i learned that my idea that you know sex should just be about like fun and like having a good time and in some ways have an aspect of some sort of ritual i think turning sex into a ritual in the correct way not an unfortunate like sex like and sex with toxic masculinity can be a thing like there are people who enjoy the sort of like you know consensual non-consensual and the whole idea of like oh you know the big hairy man and like things like that that's perfectly okay you're perfectly legitimate as long as you're doing that in a way that is you know self-aware and having a good time and you have fun with it fucking nail it have a great time but that's not all sexes and for you know and for me it never was turning into rituals that had different connotations and so like you know some some slight humiliation i was into beforehand and like you know doing treating people you know in a certain way in a respectful way and because we didn't really have those little languages when i was much younger as available as people like you are making it available for people now it was a lot harder because you know you don't want to like push a consensual non-consensual thing too far if you are if you don't have the language for it you know like turning rough sex into something bad is is relatively easy so i think learning like whole new like just ways of discussing sex with people like i do at fetish house has just been fantastic for me because learning just from my perspective of just discussing sex with literally hundreds of people in a very open way and i do love how some people are sometimes quite affronted even though they've come to a professional sex work they're like oh you know i haven't had sex for a while and i'm like oh and, but you want it and they're like, yeah and i'm like all right let's get it for you and they're like oh i i never i've nobody's spoken about me in sex in such a positive way and it's like that's literally what you're here for and we're gonna do it because that's what you want those sort of things learning to communicate better i think has been fantastic for me because whilst i on a conscious level, I could understand that sex should be about like kind of generating scenarios where you're having fun and like, you know, and doing that in ways that for a lot of people used to be kind of very simple. If you have sex in a place where you might get spotted, you're generating kind of a feeling, but you're not really expressing that in a intellectual way or discussing it. And then you're not kind of moving on to like what maybe might be the next thing we want to try if that works for us. Like, do we want to do it in public? Do we want to like do it where people can see us? Do we want to do it where it's me jerking off and people are watching me? Do you want to bring your friends over? Like, you know, if you don't have those sort of higher level discussions about what your fetish might be, you might be missing out. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work out because like you've said in the past, it's not, not everything is for everyone. And if you if it was better off just as a fantasy, you know, you need to be able to understand that nothing is broken when you do something. You just kind of have to dial it back a bit. Be playful, be curious. Like, I don't know everything that I like because I haven't done everything with every person. Because that's the thing too, is like different things can feel so different with different people, you know? Like, I never thought I would enjoy someone spitting in my face. I was like, that's way too degrading. Like, ooh, feel gross thinking about it. But then the right person did it. And now I was like, wow, that's like one of the hottest things that's, that's <laughs> ever <me>. happened to <laughs> me. No, truly. And like, I never thought oh, no, no, I it's, would- it's so true. So true. <laughs> that I would spit in someone's face, you know? And I did recently and I loved it. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> but that 
that's the thing too. It's like you don't have to be the things that you enjoy. And sometimes it's just neat to like to just have a play, see if people are keen and see how it makes you feel. You know, like you are worth doing that kind of investigative research. It's sort of like, you know, treating sex and kink a, a bit more like a hobby sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's an important discussion going on at the moment of just literally, like, because we're so, so regressive in our sexual ideals of just literally getting people to understand what consent is. And that that is ultra important. But like, that kind of hides the fact, which is that we just, we don't even understand what sex is these days. And this is one of those things that I think that I love pornography. I'm not in any way diminishing my brothers and sisters and and non-binaries in the, the pornographic world. But sometimes I think it's not as confronting as it needs to be because people will just jump on and they'll jerk off to something and then they'll quickly forget about it and they'll just put the phone away and like cover up the history and then it's gone from their mind. Whereas, you know, having a discussion with a sexual partner or somebody you're engaging with as a sexual professional is very important because having an understanding of what sex is and it's not just having babies and it's not just Christian ideals of marriage and all these weird shit that people associate with it. It's so much more. There's like all these feelings, like everything you feel, I almost feel like people like have really complex feelings about barbecues that they don't have about sex. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I've got to have my mates over and, I've, you know, it's got to have this certain feel to it. I'm going to buy all these accoutrements so that I know it's it's right. I'm going to experiment with these new kinds of meat. And guys will fucking talk about barbecues fucking forever. And I love a barbecue, but like they just don't discuss sex in the same way. And I just think it's ironic. I think a lot of people would say sex is important to them and they've never had a fucking discussion about would you like it if I did this? Would you like it if I did that? Like, how to spend your entire life with something that is so integral to a lot of people's nature, not everyone's, but a lot of people's nature, and not going that extra yard to think, like, if we just tried something a bit different, I might have a different feeling. And if I could discuss that in an intellectual way and use words or even complex thoughts, heaven forbid, about it, I might have a really interesting revelation and feel a certain way and like have a good time and not just do things by accident. And then, then only, you know, if your entire life is led by accident, you're just kind of getting dragged by a, down a river and you occasionally fork left or fork right, then everything will feel like a disaster if it doesn't work out perfectly. Whereas, like you said, if you treat it like play, like the intellectual animals we're supposed to be, then, oh my God, you can like try this. And then if it doesn't work, you can swim over there and have a good time with that. And it's like, yeah, like I did oh, like this yeah. bit. How do we take that out and maybe add it to this other bit that I liked oh this God. other time, you know? Like, modular ooh, human a thinking. New, a new cake recipe, like of your very own <laughs> creation. How good yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. I'm loving this cake analogy. I'm super going to use this going forward. Like, I am going to be... Yes! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, And, like, beautiful. Do you not hear, beautiful listeners, how we've workshopped this concept together? You know, we both added a little bit, seen how we felt about it, tried again, rebaked it, done another one. Like, yummy. For me, like, this is how, like, a connection with somebody works well. And bringing it back, how beautiful that you can go... And have a professional experience like this. How nice. It's a pleasure. Like I said, being able to expose people to that feeling like you can just enrich their lives. And like I said, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you try a nice meal and you're like, hey, I'm going to try and do that at home. There's so many resources you can get. And just exposing yourself to something and somebody who's got skills that you don't necessarily have and like listening. And that's true of so many things. Like just like that's what 
our modern society is meant to be about is we're meant to have elevated ourselves to the point where we can spend the time to say, you know, I'm going to specialize and do this thing and become a specialist in this. And while you may not adopt everything they do, you can at least like take away things. That's It's just human nature. I feel like, you know, I've always thought of myself as a switch and then I'm like, maybe I've only been a sub by like not choice <laughs> because of lack of discussions around sex and that just not happening in my life until a lot later where people were open to it and I could move past my own shame. But I feel like the the domination stuff, you know, I feel like I've had light interest in it for a long time, but I've never really like play played in it. But yeah, like meeting this person this week, I was like, fuck yeah, like... <laughs> this is for me. (laughs) So sort of like on that note, you know, I've been considering, do I go and see people who are dominant professionally to, yeah, get some pointers and tips and learn a bit more about technique? Because, you know, when I'm interested in a thing, I'm like, how can I research it? How can I learn all the things? And how can I do a good job? So sort of like on that note, to uh, fledgling or maybe experienced dominance out there, do you have any like cool tips or tricks that you think could be neat? things to try or mindsets to think about well let me give you two separate bits of advice i'll try and give you the best one i can let me put this out there real quick obviously everything should be discussed and consented beforehand and just you know make sure everyone you're working with is on board with what you're doing never surprise your partner you know with something that they haven't consented to explicitly because that's a bad idea so that's out of the way that's easy number two we do offer classes at Fetish House. I run like a partner's session that goes for an hour and a half and we've always had a lot of success there because it's hard for me to boil down what we do in an hour and a half because I think that any like really in-depth discussion can't be boiled down to one sentence otherwise you know you could get it on the sentence but um, generally I'll run through things like consent, basic bondage, safety, safe words, like all these ideas that just make it really easy to know that you have permission to do something because that's really one of the first hurdles is that impact play can be really tough. If you haven't hurt somebody before, you know, if you haven't like done it, even if you know you're not going to injure them, giving yourself permission to do the thing that they want can be really challenging. For me, me personally, I've seen a lot of husbands who are just like, I would never hit a woman. They've kind of grown up in this ideal. They may be taking on board some masculinity toxicity, but for the most part, they're just like, I am so much bigger than them. And if I hit them, I'm going to break them and I'll feel bad about it. And I'm just like, she is as an adult, as a consenting person, as an intellectual animal, she is saying, please do this thing and you have permission and I'm going to show you how to do it safely. And that's really kind of the, the key trick. Once you know how to do it safely and you have permission, then you know you need to give yourself permission to do that. And that's kind of one of the big things we go over. But now, something that you can just take away. Say you're, you're too far away from Sir James to come and get a lesson. My biggest trick I think I have, which is in the tool bag, is that I call it walking through the door. Um, sort of the magical portal. I don't know if this is, you know, kind of something that people are familiar with, but the idea in a lot of films and things like that is there is, and the hero's tale, there's a concept of like a point where the hero is in a new world, is in a new place. And there's been this kind of vital shift, like everything feels different. And I have the advantage of running you know, my sessions in places that people don't usually go. So occasionally I'll do out calls to somebody's house and, you know, and for them, there's still that aspect. But for a lot of people they are coming to my dungeon at Fetish House, they're walking in a door and they're in a room they've never been in before. So for them, it is literally a new experience. And that means that their body is going to be slightly on guard, is going to be slightly nervous, and it's going to have like this whole different sensation about how it's going to go. 
And as long as you can manage that, it's, it's the biggest tool you can have because feeling like they're somewhere new and how you achieve that will allow for a level of engagement you couldn't otherwise get. And so if you're doing this at home, I know that's really hard for some people because you're like, I've been happy marriage or I've been in a non-monogamous relationship with someone for however long or something. I'm, I'm engaging with a new partner, but they've been to this place before. They've been in this room. We've had vanilla sex or we've had you know regular you know sexual encounters that didn't include this before. You need to find some way to make it new. And that is kind of the thing, you know, not new every time, but sort of way this time to make it new and then use that switch to make it new when you do it in the future. So for a lot of people, I think this is one of the reasons that collars are so big because humans are very programmed that like if there's a pressure on the neck or if there's some sort of like new uniform or some sort of change in scenario, then a lot of people will allow that to trigger themselves to move into a new state and you know kind of enjoy things in a different way it's like it's almost like putting on a mask or doing things like that which literally we do i put masks on people and that's one of the things they love is like wearing a, a, a big leather hood and like seeing the world only through these leather slits or like being blindfolded you know you're taking away something so it's like it feels like a new place because like if you if i blindfolded you and put you in your kitchen it would feel different to every other time you've been in your kitchen unless you for some reason walk around in your kitchen blindfolded or you are blind so find some way to make it new and then try and keep all the things that you're going to do, which are new inside that. And then don't let the two worlds kind of overtake each other too much. This is kind of like the coming from the, the dominant BDSM aspect, but it, it works equally well from like being a slut or being a sub or being this, that, the other. Like if you want to make your partner feel like they are in a different world and they should be dominating you, then wear something only at those times. Like just put yeah. on a specific outfit like, and you're just like, I'm your slutty girl tonight. And then the next time you want to like be the slutty boy, slutty girl, slutty they, slutty them, you know, just like, that's it. You just put on that outfit again and you're just like, I, look, you're slutty. Yeah, mindset. Hello. Like yeah, exactly. ready, ready to go. Oh, I love accessories that uh, sort of start the container almost. <laughs> exactly. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I know that that may be for some people, it's like putting it too much in a thing, but like conditioning people and putting yourself in another state is a big part of kind of like changing sensation. And I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. I'm just saying this is a really good way for people to start thinking about like BDSM, if you're not going to do it 24-7, and I would recommend for about 99% of people doing BDSM 24-7 is a lot harder than you think it is and it takes a lot of communication and it's it's not the kind of like oh well, that just solves all the problems because we're just always in bdsm mode it's like no you just just start developing it this way start thinking about how you're going to make that person feel different and how you're going to work through those problems and then also be honest with yourself if like if you're not feeling it that day then figure that out kind of realize how much energy you've got to give and to put into it and then you know, focus on that and then just kind of like go with what you can. If you turn it into a slog and they can see that, they're not going to enjoy it. But then the way you can make things be less of a slog is to practice and like find someone who knows a bit better than you or find some information. For me, like one of the things I don't think a lot of people know about me, but for literally the first year of Fetish House, we were downstairs as a team, the three people who started together, working on our impact play. And that was like whipping things until we could like, you know, you can nail like a, a three foot cane and hit the exact same spot a hundred times in a row without missing. Working on wow. Just working on practicing and developing skills. And, you know, and you can make those things 
work together because you know if you want to spend some quality time which isn't necessarily sort of you know top bottom or ds or whatever else you, you can work on your rope bondage and get better at that rather than necessarily just assuming that everything has to be done in secret and everything has to be kind of revealed at the last second it's work on that and make it obvious that you're working on that and say like oh you know today we're going to practice and the next time i'm going to tie you with the ties i'm very comfortable and practiced with and we're going to be in that other zone that next time. I feel like it's really important to talk about that it's okay to practice and it's okay to not be 100% in that mindset all the time because I feel like there's a lot of pressure especially if you're being the dominant partner that everything comes from you and that you always know what to do and it's just like all orders and creativity coming only from your brain which I think in a more generalized interaction like it has to be something that you do together. Let me be perfectly clear that if 100% of the energy is coming from one direction it is going to fail almost immediately like you know if you if you want to be a good subby person like if you want to be you know someone's good sub then you are doing just as much work as the dominant is because a you have to be clear in your communication with what they have permission to do you have to be clear in what you are giving because being a sub is not about necessarily just being led around on the collar all the time it's about giving energy into that relationship and being supportive in a submissive way like it's that joke that's always like oh i'm i'm your sub do everything to me how exactly how i tell you to do it it's like that's the dumbest thing like you know you're you're meant to be asking me like what do you want what are the things and like and offering it up not just being a sponge for energy like if you need support from someone go see someone for support like the ds relationship can include support but it shouldn't be the only thing totally i think that's that's kind of in a lot of ways why i've not embraced being dominant because it, it kind of feels like the only ways that people have approached me is they just kind of want to take from me and they're really not clear or able to articulate what they are offering as a submissive oh my god yeah well that's, that's really like if you've if you've kind of picked up on that subconsciously then that is incredible because that is something that i think that a lot of men and i cis hetero men are just like yeah my name i'm dominant pole and i just like you know like i love fucking chicks because i'm such a dumb masked man and then literally the first person comes along and they just have no idea what to do and that person turns out to be an emotional vampire and it all falls apart and everyone just like had a bad time no consent was given for anything and boundaries were pushed on both sides and it's just like ah good luck mate you just had, like you just thought that it was an easy way to get the sex you wanted and you just took the first person who was there rather than doing any communication negotiation or maybe talking to someone who had more experience than you by putting your ego aside and then of course you know there's the other aspects of people who are just like yeah i'm a, I'm a sub you know just like take care of me and it's like mate i got fucking jobs to do i got shit to do like i'm here for like i'm the scalpel i'm not the blanket you know i am here to like do the precision surgery of having a great time over the course of a couple of hours i'm not here to like be your dad your actual dad you know like, no that's a different service like uh <laughs> yeah oh my god i couldn't imagine how much like if i literally had to organize somebody's entire life i couldn't imagine how much i'd charge for that being your daddy like i'll do that but like just being your your guidance counselor ugh. Yeah, I, I think life coaches are probably underpaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. Like holding people's emotional shit is a, uh, whoo, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of like, 
that's the thing too right of being like as a dominant i'm like i feel like i like i need aftercare from being such a cunt to you because it takes a lot out of me (laughs) well that's why i was talking about taking some time off this week because and and i do tell people they're like oh how many people did you see today and i'm like i only saw you today like it is super rare that i will see more than one person in a day because that's just a you're not gonna have a good time because you're gonna notice how tired i am and then b like i'm gonna start worrying out because and let let me be perfectly clear about something because i i I always love to slice things down and into smaller and smaller sections because everything is like, you know, needs to be detailed. Cut the cake, great. James. Cut yeah, it Yeah, I know. I'll keep slicing until there's, there's no cake and there's just an infinite number of infinitely thin slices. So being emotional in a session is not the same thing as asking someone to like carry your entire life. Let me be perfectly clear about that because I think maybe it sounded like I was saying that, you know, you shouldn't ever be emotional or you shouldn't no, expect any support. No, that's not how I that, interpreted it. That, yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm just making sure because like, I will be clear that people do come in and cry during sessions and that is perfectly okay. Like we are doing emotional stuff and you being honest and being emotional with me is a big part of that. And if that just results in you busting into tears, that's perfectly okay. Or if you are feeling like shit and you want to come in and hang out, that's perfectly okay. You know, it's not the same thing as like emailing me 10 times a day and saying, oh, you know, this bad thing happened and whatnot. It's like, you know, some people pay for services where I email them daily and we chat and we talk about things and that's, that's great and I love it. But, you know, like obviously to some degree, you have to be an emotional mature adult most of the time. Like I think that's probably something that I, I think doesn't necessarily have to be in a sex podcast. Like you should just try to like, if you've got problems, like see a therapist and get take yeah, good mental take care responsibility, of yourself and do the hygiene, you know? You know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, like I said, in sessions, you being overly emotional, that's perfectly cool. So um, I actually had someone come in lately, uh, Jenny Valentish, um, and she wrote a great book called um, Everything Harder Than Everyone Else, which actually includes like a big interview with me about people enjoying BDSM and kind of the emotional responses they have. So if your audience is looking for something to read, that's coming out, I think, on June 10th it is which you can pick up on amazon or booktopia and things like that and in that i kind of mentioned that people will a lot of people i think because they're getting into bdsm and they haven't ever released like you know themselves sexually or even emotionally like because you know it's, it's kind of looked down on our society to just kind of be emotional like even in the safe spaces Oh, absolutely. Like Like, people don't treat it with respect and see it as a thing of weakness. Whereas like expressing, you know, your your emotions where you're not requesting (laughs) unacceptable labor from people that maybe you don't have established relationships with. Yeah, yeah. Like that's okay and good. Like we're emotional Mm. creatures. Exactly. And so she was saying like, how do people feel after they cry? And I'm like, you you kind of pick up on a good point there. A lot of them feel guilty. And I think that it's... It's a shame because I want them to know that, you know, when they are there with me, if that emotion was good and like it was coming out in a cathartic way, then that's fantastic. Like, I'm really happy that you feel like we did, we kind of did something that was so intense that you feel really strongly about it. And it's not always from some sort of negative trigger, just literally like, you know, sometimes a massive orgasm or your first time doing impact play or your first time being humiliated. You may decide that you absolutely love it, even though it made you cry. Like, and that's perfectly cool. I've cried during sex before and it was some of the hottest sex I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. 
<laughs> I'm, I must admit, like, that's one of my key fetishes is sort of like, what's the word? Tribute and like offerings and things like that. I don't know the, the science behind love languages, but I do always enjoy the concept that people like appreciation in certain ways because i think that kind of speaks to the to the dumb mindset it's like some people like being praised some people like raw commodities some people like specially thought up gifts some people like time some people like this and that the other and for me it's always just like you're giving me something that you know that i want like you've done some thought and like bought me a thoughtful gift or you've given me some cash or whatever else and just to show that like you know you appreciate what i'm doing because i have my own very reserved kind of you know emotional feelings and i, I don't necessarily kind of do it out there all the time but when somebody kind of like puts the thought in and sees what i'm thinking and like you know because you can always tell after a given amount of time you can kind of tell what i'm thinking and somebody gets me a gift and so one thing i really love is like fucking people in the ass when they're not necessarily like 100 percent enjoying it and they're doing it for me or they're taking a heavy caning and they're doing it for me or they're like you know like they're they're deep throating and they're gagging in the company and just like it's so funny like the like you said the crying during like sex thing occasionally is just like they're so happy that they they did something that i wanted really explicitly because they know that like nine 99 of the time i'm doing things for other people because i have my other big fetish is like making people happy like i really like i love edging them and i like seeing them come after like two hours because the mix of relief and happiness and slight humiliation that just makes all that feeling like super super worth it and them just like feeling really valued because you spent the time on them and so the other one is that is includes the crying so 90 percent of the time it's like crying because they're exhausted and emotionally drained and the other time it's crying because i'm doing something to them that they're just like i'm doing this for you sir james <laughs> it's just like oh it's the best <laughs> man honestly that just makes me think of you like pulling out the studded paddle at like the end of our session and like really giving me 10 maybe 11 really good whacks, <laughs> where i was like I am not doing this for me. <laughs> and I was like, and I, I think, and I think you knew it at the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 you were doing it for me and it was great. Laughed at me a lot. I, I mean, I was laughing and I also like very like, oh my God, this hurts so much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good bonding moment. And I really like, you know, like. It really kept me the... down a pig. <laughs> Oh, it was great. I, I I love it. I just, it's such a big fan. Like I said, when somebody takes something that they, so often people like give me that and it's not even like I, I love necessarily any specific toy and they're like, I'll do that thing because I know you like that toy. It's like, no, I really hate the cane and I know that you haven't been creative with cane for a while, so I'll let you cane me. And it's just like, oh yeah, fucking music to my ears. Like <laughs> give me something that I want it's not i don't even want it i just want it because you don't want it you know <laughs> but you giving it to me in a really consensual thoughtful like generous gift is like oh that's the best give me yeah. that i want that on a plate oh. i want to box that up and just ship it you know sell it for a million dollars a package <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that that's gorgeous talked about you know how passionate you feel about sexual freedom and how much shame gets in the way of that what I would love for the listeners out there to feel inspired to do is like if you have felt the desire or the interest to see a sex worker a BDSM professional like I'd really like this to be like an invitation to you to go and get that need met and maybe explore and research and find a professional to see and to explore some of your desires because like you're very deserving of that so James like what would you say to people out there who maybe want to be more free and are struggling with their shame to sort of take the next step 
So I think the most important thing to remember when it comes to shame is that it's probably not the first time the thing you want has happened. Like, unless you want something really specific, like you want someone to burn Charizard Pokemon cards or something, you know, like for your, your humiliation fetish, it's which I'm sure somebody has done. So rule 34, I'm sure that exists already. Just realize that you're probably not the first person who's asked for the thing you want. Realize that just because you asked somebody in a private setting because that's one of the biggest challenges, you know, being involved in romantic relationships these days, A, is just, you know, there's a lot to unpack for people and we're not necessarily given the tools to do that and we're unfortunately generally given the wrong tools to do it. So just realize that just because you were in a relationship with somebody and they were very negative or very harmful about it, that that's not going to always be that way and that you kind of need to spend more time communicating with people about what you want and also be willing to compromise and understand that, not everyone's quite ready to like, you know, pee on you yet or do this or do that, the other, or do it in a public setting. But, you know, if somebody is absolutely not compatible with you, then you need to maybe think about how to open that up and how to fix those problems. But start off by communicating, start off by realizing you're not the first person who wants a thing that you wanted, that you are valid, that you do deserve sexual love, that you do deserve, you know, affection, that you do deserve somebody to listen to what you want, and that you do deserve to live your life not being sexually owned because I can speak from experience that some people will just be like, we're only having sex once a month and that's perfectly normal. And I've told all my friends that you want sex, you know, that you enjoy sex once a week and that's disgusting and that it's, it's not appropriate. And those sort of people will kind of try to dictate your life to you and getting past that, that shame or that fear that you're wrong or that something's you know, out of control. It's like, we live in the future, basically. <laughs> like, you know, we live in a time where you can literally communicate with people around the world. And a lot of people do it in, for terrible reasons, but you can do it for a better reason. You can discuss with other healthy adults about your sexual interests and, you know, discuss with people like Vix here, who is helping out a lot, people understanding that it's okay. And then number two, if you can't find anyone to do that specific thing, and that's, you know, that's going to be a problem because like, you know, maybe only 1% of the population like your particular fetish, you know, do start thinking about, can you do it with a sexual provider? Can you, you know, think about starting to look for that kind of person on Tinder? And are you going to be more honest about your communication? Start thinking about how much it's going to play a part in your life and whether it's going to be a challenge. But like I said, just realize that just because somebody in the past has just told you something horrible, like that doesn't define the rest of your life. You need to understand that there are opportunities out there. It's not always going to be this way. And that if you need to start doing things like discussing with people more openly your sexuality, because I think that's maybe a big trap for toxic masculinity is that guys think, oh, you know, I can't discuss these sexual things because I need to like solve every problem and I need to do everything myself and I can't look for help. And so then when they run into a roadblock, which is a, another person who is as toxic as they are, then you need to instead start thinking about like, how do you get yourself out of that situation? Start relying on your friends for emotional support. You know, if they're also shitty, start finding new friends and just kind of like realize that, you know, you're valuable, you're worthwhile, you know, your fetishes, as long as they're done with communication and done with consent and done, you know, in a safe and sane way, aren't a deal breaker. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be like the end of your life. And I really hope that if you are struggling at the moment, definitely there are people who come see me in secret 
And I know not every sexual provider is going to offer that because a lot of sexual providers will need proof of identity and things like that for their safety and security. And you should respect that and remember that they're not there to expose you. It doesn't, it serves them no interest to make your life any harder than it is. If you're looking for secrecy, once you've established that trust between them, you know, they're always going to do that. So just remember, there are places to go. There are people out there who will eventually find you who will value you. And what's happening at the moment is not the end of everything. Oh, that's very nice, James. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to us giggle away. We're like super serious. Like you are, you're valued. We love you. You are, you're important to us. And I hope you find happiness and that you don't think is the end of that. And just the both of us start giggling because we're just, we're that kind of person, aren't we? Like even when we're dead serious, we're, we're giggling because we want to keep it happy because we want to, we want people to know that we're there to support. Them. Yeah. Giggling is okay. Everyone out there. This I giggled giggling space. Yeah. I giggled heaps in my, in my session with James. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he came in hard, you know, with like, you know, you will call me Sir James and like, don't speak unless spoken to sort of stuff. And I'm like, hee hee hee, this is what I like. I don't think this is working. Can we try this? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so also like just reminding you don't have to be perfect in the scenarios either. Like it's okay to just be a person and like experience experiences as a person. Like that's cool and nice. something I, I would like to ask just around like I guess especially for our local listeners and like Victoria Melbourne like do you have any recommendations of where people could start sort of like online to find professionals to see oh that is tough at the moment but obviously if you are in Melbourne if you're looking for BDSM professionals I can certainly recommend Fetish House um, if you just take a look if you google Fetish House and you're in Victoria, you should see it come up. And there is a list of professionals there who can see you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always open. I know that you don't have a huge <laughs> use base. I probably regret saying this in 10 years time when this absolutely blows up and people are emailing me, my friend said, um, if you are, if you need a, a tiny bit of help finding someone or you're, you're just asking, you know, for something specific, feel free to email me, sirjamesfetish at gmail.com and I'll help you out. Otherwise, uh, as far as I understand, Trist um, is one of the better, um, Website providers at the moment for professionals. They're sort of a, a good company run by people who are friendly to sex workers and are not owned by companies who are, are trying to uh, aggressively monetize uh, humans who are just trying to live. So those are kind of my two big suggestions at the moment. Obviously, it's really tough when it comes to Google if you're just kind of like, you know, throwing out terms like <laughs> like Melbourne dominant. It's like, but yeah, start off with Fetish House. Um, and if I ever get wind of, uh, of more good places, then, uh, then jump on and see me. Literally tons of great brothels around Melbourne. If you are just looking for sexual services, less BDSM, I couldn't even begin to list the number of great ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like classic me, like trying to Google like uh, Melbourne, BBW. <laughs> Keep going through phases of like want fat bodies real bad. But yeah, like <laughs> it's hard. It's hard going. <laughs> I guess one last question would be, is there anything else that you would like to promo? Um, I feel like we've mentioned a, through a few things throughout but if there was anything else i think really at the moment uh number one um a big thank you to jenny valentish for including me in her book and getting a, a i feel a very valid and very nice uh, examination of 
my sex work in there, which was everything harder than everyone else. Obviously, I'll promo myself. I am available for out calls, which means I can come to you or if you want to come visit me at Fetish House and get a session in the dungeon, that's also an option. Just email me at sirjamesfetish at gmail.com. I guess there'll be, probably be some links. You can also find me on Twitter at sirjamesmedia. Yeah, I think we were kind of discussing one of the great things about the job, which was seeing more people and them being able to experience things. And one of those things that has been really good, I see personally, I would say that probably 10% of my clients are trans, either transitioning or transitioning as far as they intend to, or just starting on their journeys. And if you are looking for trans-friendly sex workers, you know, who are going to be understanding about you don't want to be touched in certain places or you don't want me to use certain pronouns, then I am always here for that. I think that that's been a very place where I've been lucky is to see people who are, who identify as assigned female at birth, but transitioning to men who still identify as kind of gay, who want to see someone who is going to be okay with that. And like, I'm more than okay. I am super happy when you get to kind of express your real self and wear the outfits that are appropriate to you and that help you feel not just expressing yourself sexually, but expressing yourself from an identity perspective. And so if you want to come see me, just obviously same rules as everyone else. You gotta be, gotta be polite. You gotta give me a time. You gotta be ready to pay deposit, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent there for you and I'm ready to see you and make sure that your, your kind of identity feels valid. I really appreciate that that is said very explicitly. Oh, yeah. I try to make sure it's people know that it's very explicit. And a lot of people who come in say they're very happy that I'm out there kind of saying it because I don't think we do say it enough. And obviously, sex workers are one of the most important places for people to to make sure they feel comfortable. Because once again, if you need to keep secrecy, if you're not ready to tell your family, if you're not, you know, people to know, then obviously being able to go somewhere and kind of live your more true self, that's what we're here for. So if we weren't here for those people who need it probably the most then, oh, Jesus, I, I don't think we'd be doing our job. So I'm, I'm always <laughs> happy to see you and it's always nice. So yeah, if you want a big, hairy, scary man who's a former powerlifter, um, who's ready to pick you up, crush you, squash you, have a good time, giggle with you or be stern. Um, <laughs> or if you need someone to help you learn and you've got your own sub or you want to learn on someone, then you know shoot me an email. I am more than happy to help out. Book me in and we'll do what we can. Man, I didn't realize you did out calls as well. I feel like now I'm coming away from this bloody episode with like, hmm, ideas. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just looking at my diary here. So I'm just seeing where we can put you in. <laughs> How very dare you, James. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I insinuate that we do the thing that sounds super awesome. <laughs> I just wanted to j- just say thank you so much for doing this episode. I really appreciate you. Uh, I knew this one was, was going to be lots of fun and that I would learn lots of things. Because, yeah, I just, you know, enjoyed you so much much as a person as much as a professional so thank you ah it was all my pleasure i appreciate it so much uh, that you're out there giving a voice to people to make sure that you know everyone feels respected and represented and i i really appreciate you getting on me today and and having a, a good understanding that it's not just something that has to be terrifying and titillating i love how you're just like let's do the thing how do we make more of the thing so it's, it's really <laughs> refreshing and i really appreciate it I guess I guess that's an episode. This has been a, a big chunky boy, much like our our big beautiful dom that we've had talking. Uh, so I would just like to reiterate: if you have any burning questions or something that you would fucking love to hear us talk about, please slide into our lovely DMs on Twitter with your questions at Done Wonderfully on Twitter. 
Or alternatively, you can slip us a more anonymous message at curiouscat.qa slash wonderfully done. Wonderfully done can be downloaded wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hey, you're doing wonderfully.